Welcome to Leadership Lowdown. This is Vic Versero right here on the Michigan Business Network. I'm so excited to have you join us today, and I'm excited to have with us an individual that I had the opportunity to recently come in contact with. Her name is Angela Morrill. She is the owner of Angela Morrill Leadership and Life Coaching Organization. Angela, welcome to our show. Thank you, Vic. Thrilled to be here. Well, I'm glad you're here and you have so much to offer based on what I'm seeing in terms of people that have been in contact with you and some of the information I've been reading about you. So it's good to have you here. And of course, I've got my pen and pad ready for taking notes and learning from you. But as we go about that, let's just start with kind of what your organization is and what it is that you do, Angela. Certainly. My organization, Angela Moral Leadership and Life Coaching, is as it sounds. I am focused on a mission, and I'm sure we'll get into that. The leadership and life coaching is all about coaching as well as leadership training. I also provide facilitation of workshops, team coaching. It's interesting because this seems like such a tremendous area that I see a lot of people and organizations that are looking for this type of help. And I just love when I find people like you that can help us find our path and kind of go make a more direct route to our path, which is what I think is important, not making all the mistakes on our own, but making a bit of a shortcut by having some expertise to help us along the way. But I'm sure it didn't start out this way. Do you have some other experience and background that kind of got you down this path? Where did it all start for you? And that is a very insightful question. And if anybody knows me, the first question they say is, how did you end up where you are? And so <laughs> we can go as far back as you want. I'll, I'll keep a brief and let you jump in and ask me to expound where needed. But I did not set out to be a leadership coach, trainer. I started my career as an engineer, oh. and specifically a mechanical engineer. I hailed to the blue, the Wolverines. And through my childhood, was always adept at the technical side of things. And some people breathed some life into me. And I pursued that path. One of few women at the time that were pursuing a technical career like that. And so I was always a trailblazer of sorts, doing things that wasn't easy. I'd always gone the hard path. And I would look back <laughs> at it. But yes, I actually started my career as an engineer. Well, and it's interesting because, you know, Honestly, I guess I don't know if there is a natural path for somebody that is in the leadership coaching world that you're in. But when I think about the engineering, it does seem very technical. It kind of makes me nervous because I'm not a very good technical guy. So when I think about your credentials and background, I got to believe that what you do is a pretty thorough approach to the process and probably pretty analytical. Maybe is it the analytical side that helps you become good at what you do? Again, very insightful. I believe the analytical side is indeed one of my secret weapons. The ability to listen well, the ability to not have to be the person who is at the front of the room gathering all the attention, but observing, listening. Indeed, that is, I believe, some of the fabric that makes for a good coach. Well, and I think, and what I really like about that whole concept is the notion of being able to assess what's going on. And so when you work with organizations, I'm sure that the first thing you do 
is put on your listening ear and try to take an assessment of where you're at and what's going on. But let's go back to what made sense in your beginning as an engineer. You went through U of M. You got an engineering degree from a world-class university. You've got yourself into probably an engineering experience and work. But when did you start thinking about what made sense to go to the next step or how the next step would be in terms of going off in this direction? The bridge, indeed. And that is a question I had to ask myself as I was making that transition is, is this the path I'm supposed to take? The way that it happened was quite logical, though, when I look back. I went from product, (laughs) of course, yes. Actually, and we'll probably talk about my faith journey here. And so all throughout, this has been a design for me, one that I have been had the privilege of discovering, not designing necessarily, but I've always been one to seek out opportunities and to look for opportunities and to boldly pass through those doors. And so I went from a product design, had an invitation to move into process, talk about process design, process analysis. I was a Six Sigma black belt for a while when I was identified to move from product design into process design. And it was Right there, I think, in the beginning, that desire to do something different, but that exposure to the system. Yeah. And I'll talk about the system. And really, the system is composed of people, process, tools, and technology. And seeing how all of those things work together in harmony or in discord and the difference that the leadership made in all of that. So I was a study. I think from that point on, in terms of the role that leaders had on success or failure of a team. Yeah, because it sounds like you actually witnessed some of that leadership in action or inaction of leadership, either one. And so as you watch that unfold, you probably had some real observations that happened early in your career and all the things that happened along the way. Well, look, I'm excited to meet you. I'm excited to have an opportunity to hear more about your world. It's great to have Angela Morrill right here with us on the Leadership Lowdown. This is the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Versero. We're going to go take a few quick breaks and be right back. Physicians Health Plan is local. For 35 years, we've been a part of your community, and we take pride in helping you get the coverage, care, and personal service you deserve. Go to phpmichigan.com for more information. We're the health plan that works for you. And we're back right here on the Leadership Lowdown on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Versero with Angela Morrill. She is with us today because she has some great experience that she wants to share with us. And she is a leadership and executive leadership coach for her organization, Angela Morrill. And of course, you know, one of the things that I wanted to make sure we understood She started out as an engineer and she spent this time and we mentioned that it wasn't just a quick overnight experience. So you were an engineer and in that world for a number of years, right? How many years were you working as an engineer? In total, I spent about six years in engineering before I transitioned into the process and business side of the world. Yeah. And as that was going on, you mentioned Six Sigma that you mentioned that quickly. I just know that that's a big, important 
process for the people that aren't familiar with it real quickly, the thought on what Six Sigma is, just kind of give us the overview. Yeah, Six Sigma was started in Motorola way back when, and it's all about process efficiency, founded on the kind of the Japanese efficiency work that was done, brought to the U.S. and where I was at the time, spent much of my career at Caterpillar. Caterpillar was adopting this methodology referred to as Six Sigma, and then they donned the leaders, those of us that were tasked with finding efficiencies, creating, you know, improving quality, finding cost reductions, improving engagement, whatever the goal was, we were really the project leaders, program managers, referred to as black belts. And we were versed in statistics and all of that to be able to analyze process to figure out, create consistency and reliability. And Mm -hmm. so in a manufacturing environment, obviously extremely important. And so, yes, went from product design, as we talked about, into what I call process design, or was like process analysis and working with teams from the boardroom to the shop in figuring out how to improve not only the manufacturing processes, but also the business processes. Well, I just love that. And you said something in our first segment that I thought was really innovative in my mind. You mentioned that uh, it was discovery more than design of what brought you to your current world. Tell me about some of the discovery that happened along your career path that made you realize that there's a whole world out there that really needs to have some more processes built into their leadership elements and their leadership direction. When did that epiphany, when did those light bulbs start coming on for you? It, again, was gradual. The work that I did in the process venue really unveiled some opportunities. And I don't necessarily lay claim to these, but collectively as an organization, we discovered the role that project management played, good solid project management, which essentially is leadership, 60% communication leading teams versus the technical, as well as organizational change management. And that I think is really what underlies the work I do now is how do you not only get the stuff done, But how do you bring the hearts and minds of those who you are leading along with you? Mm. And so it was the change management really seeing the power of paying attention to the people side of business that that could have, again, over success or failure. In your experience, do you think that that's become even more prominent, more significant. It just feels like years ago, it was more like, get it done. If you don't get it done, I'll find somebody else. Where now it feels like in today's world, we're coaching and developing and conjoling employees to kind of come with us on a powerful experience for all of us to benefit. So the whole dynamic of that has changed over the years. Don't you agree? Absolutely. We have had a lot of call them revolutions, changes. And one of those is definitely in how we conduct business. In the world that we are in today, where talent is at a premium, nobody has enough. Organizations are struggling to continue serving their missions, assuming they have one, with fewer people. So everyone they have is essential to the business, and especially if they are aligned and empowered and so this idea of leadership by you know i think for a while it was the command and control is i'll tell you what to do and you do it and that worked what we're finding today is that doesn't work so well anymore and in fact i believe it's now a competitive advantage for those organizations that have a servant leadership oriented style and culture 
which seeks to empower and enable the workforce and doing it through inspiration, not through fear, which I believe is a basic difference between the two leadership models. Yeah. You just said something that really intrigued me, doing it through inspiration. So let me think about that for a second, because I think about what inspires you might not inspire me. So there's an alignment element here. Tell me your thoughts on inspiring workers. Absolutely. The, and I won't lay claim to this, but there's a saying that says a good culture will attract the right people and repel the wrong people. And I believe that is part of the key is having a clear mission, being able to communicate that mission as an organization will then signal to people whether or not that is an organization they're interested in being affiliated with. And ideally, and I believe that the workforce today is more concerned with value add purpose, doing something that excites them. And I'm no different. I think most of us aren't. And so being able to clearly communicate what that organization is about and find the people who share that passion, who share that mission, and who want to be a part of that, that is the first key. That's powerful stuff. Angela, that's really good stuff. We're so glad you're sharing our mission here today on the Leadership Lowdown. So glad you tuned in to the Michigan Business Network. We're going to take a quick break and be right back. The Michigan Works Association believes the key to advancing prosperity across the state is accomplished through building a skilled workforce. As the state's primary workforce development association, their focus is to continue to move the needle on policy, education, and collaboration. They're creating an opportunity and building stronger communities by advocating and innovating together. This is the Michigan Business Network. You found the Leadership Lowdown, and we found Angela Morrill. She is a leadership an executive coach, and I'm doing some really great things for us today, taking some notes and trying to understand some of the path that she's been on and some of the services that she offers for people that are looking for, let's say, I don't want to say a shortcut, but maybe the most direct route to excellent leadership growth. And that really is, I think, an opportunity for us to talk about that. And that brings me to my next question. And we talk about coaching. I love coaching because I love the idea of uh, working one-on-one with people and kind of getting with people to help them achieve what they want to get done. So was there, I keep wondering and asking about the epiphany, but maybe it was just a slower unpackaging, but when did it become clear to you that you thought coaching was where you needed to be? Through my career, except that it was back then, it was something that maybe the executives had access to. So I wasn't at that executive level in my engineering career. And so it really didn't get exposed to it until I was seeking. I'd worked in corporate America for probably 20 or so years and had moved from the engineering side to the business side, but found myself in a space where I was not inspired. I didn't align with the mission. I did not trust the leaders. And ultimately, through actually had sought out a coach to get some clarity on a next move. And it was through the processing that I did with that coach 
that it became clear that I was no longer a fit in that organization. And I realized and I told myself I wanted to find a small organization with a great culture. And that desire, that pursuit was the departure from where I was to where ultimately I would go. There's another area that always intrigues me, which is culture. Because culture, in my mind, is people... I've had people disagree with me in different conversations about culture. But believe it or not, whether you think it or not, you have a culture. The question is, is it the culture you want? And of course, there's a lot of a whole thing about how do we unpack the culture. But in your mind, you were looking for culture. You didn't feel the culture you were in was what you were looking for. So you went out kind of seeking that. I got to ask you, how do you look over the fence, if you will, and say that organization has great culture. How do you know it without being inside it and feeling it? In this case, it was reputation. And I knew I was starting through conversations, starting to be able to articulate to other people what I was looking for. And as I was describing what I was looking for, the way that people interacted, the way that leaders led, the way that people felt in that organization, my ability to share that with people led me ultimately to an organization which fit the bill. You know, smaller organization, mid-sized organization with a very carefully designed and managed culture that was, like you said, you have one whether you want it or not. This was a case where it was clearly designed and they had rhythms and they had methods for maintaining that culture. I actually led culture tours for that organization. People were asking the leaders, so what are you doing? <laughs> because it's working. And they actually had people saying, can we come in and see? And so I was one of the tour guides. We'd have organizations come in and we'd talk about what the culture was and what it looked like. But I remember telling someone during one of those tours, so many organizations publish their culture on the website. They state what they aspire it to be. But then when you get into it, and you look at how people are interacting, how they're behaving, how people feel about the organization. It's something different. But yeah. when I started at this organization, I realized that everything they said was so intricately woven into the fabric of the organization and how it operated that it was absolutely being lived out. And it was then I realized the difference. A leader with clarity, with vision, and in fact, it wasn't this organization, but another organization who found that, it was a client, found that they had arrived at a place in their company that they didn't want to be. So oh, yeah. they had high growth rate, arrived there very quickly and realized that without clear management of that culture, it had turned into something that wasn't wanted. And I think that is what happened with the organization that I departed and it was in that seeing the difference between the two and how important culture was. This other leader who found himself in a place he didn't want to be took control of that, reinvigorated the culture that he wanted, and then donned himself the chief culture officer uh. and realized the role that he would need to play in maintaining the culture that he wanted, that he believed the organization needed in order to fulfill its mission. Well, how incredible. And I think what you just shared with us just right there, I think is worth the price of admission, which is the whole notion that culture is such an intentional act. And it's also non-intentional. So you can drift 
and create a culture you're not happy with, or you have to be diligent and vigilant, I think, in terms of finding the culture and getting to the culture that you want to have. And wow, I'm just so grateful, Angela, to have you with us today talking about these kind of important things that are so important in terms of creating culture, retaining employees and having employees enthusiastic about what they do. And I'm enthusiastic about you being here today, right here on the Leadership Lowdown. This is the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Versero. We'll be right back. Something to grow, it takes time, like the equity in your home. That's why LaughQ offers a home equity line of credit, because frequent watering of your houseplants may be recommended. Now can we get a new roof? Not so much the rest of the house. Want the best rates for a home equity line of credit? Ask for LaughQ. Stop in today or go to LaughQ.com slash home equity. LaughQ, your credit union for life. I'm so glad to have with us Angela Morrow right here on the Leadership Lowdown. She's teaching me so many great things and recounting some of the great experience she's had in getting her into this executive leadership coaching position that she does so great at. And one of the things I think, Angela, as we're talking about this journey is that this calling into coaching and kind of what it took. I kind of hijacked our last segment a little bit to get you talking about culture, but tell me about this coaching call and what that final thing was that made it so obvious that this is where you were meant to be. Indeed, and I love to tell the story because it is ultimately my faith journey and my testimony. It was, like I said earlier, not by design, but an opportunity was presented to me that I did not ask for, I did not see coming, but saw the opportunity and walked through. And it was an invitation to champion a new leadership development offering on behalf of an organization. And they needed a champion. They didn't have necessarily an ideal choice, but they asked me if I would be interested. And I look back on my background and starting in engineering, coming up through business and striving to be that leader never actually arriving in that C-suite myself. And unlike many of the leaders I'm sure you have on your show, that was not my destiny. Instead, with that invitation, I spent a lot of time in prayer. I just asking, is this my destiny? Is this where I'm supposed to be? <laughs> I was indeed already searching, though, for how am I meant to serve? I was a very much in a servant's mindset. How am I meant to serve? And this was an opportunity that really reminded me of that journey I took and my earlier career and seeing good leaders, also having experienced what I would say some less mature leaders who maybe weren't quite as effective and realizing if I could, one leader at a time, and actually my mission, my mission, which I didn't have at the time, but which I have discovered, is lighting the path for leaders where wisdom, insight, and clarity thrive so that communities flourish. And I saw this invitation this opportunity as an opportunity for me to deliver on something meaningful. And so despite the fact that I had no training, or at least believed I had no training, in fact, my whole career had been training, but no formal training, you know, in coaching. I had done lots of training in different things, just not leadership. But I walked through in an act of faith, 
and said, yes, I will do this. And then through a year of mentoring and training and you know, co-leading, I then led my first cohorts where I was training groups and coaching individuals. And that was my segue, my foray into coaching, at which time I realized in order to continue growing in my own self or doing the work that I was doing, I desired to have a formal education. And so I went through a coaching training program and became certified by the International Coaching Federation, which is a worldwide governing body to make sure that anyone who bears their name is, in fact, what they would call a legitimate coach. And so I went through the training and got the certification to confirm, in fact, you know, I was qualified to be this coach that I was already serving as. And uh, I would say it wasn't that I you know, wasn't a good coach before, but it just took it to another level. Well, it sounds like when you got that experience, a little bit like a hand that slipped perfectly into a glove that fit perfectly, right? I mean, it, it just felt right. And to your point, an answer to prayer. Indeed. It is a perfect fit for me. I do believe that this is my mission, that everything up until this point was training and preparation to be the leadership trainer and coach that I am today. Well, and because cool. of my background, I believe a lot of the untapped areas in manufacturing and technology and STEM where maybe people are less likely to realize the impact of hearts are in addition to the minds in a workforce. I believe that's some uncharted territory in, in some ways. And because of my background, I am specially suited to meet the need in that space. Yeah. And so tell me, when we talk about coaching, I guess I must confess, I'm conjuring up this image of you talking with an executive one-on-one, -on -one, or is it more of a group setting or a team environment? Tell me what a, a typical coaching experience that you get into executive leadership. Is that one-on-one -on -one or is it a larger team? Yes and yes. It typically starts one-on-one. -on -one. And I believe the power of that one-on-one -on -one is optimized in that one-on-one -on -one because you can meet people where they are. I can also isolate the dynamics that you have when you're in a group setting. When it's one-on-one, -on -one, it's myself and the individual. When we're in a group setting, and so I do team coaching and group facilitation and leadership training, when you're in a group setting, you've now added the relationship with that individual to every single person in the room. And our behavior, whether we know it or not, is modified. Our guard is raised based on each additional person that enters the room. So a one-on-one -on -one relationship, I believe, is that sacred space. And I uphold full confidentiality. Nothing we talk about goes anywhere. I've had people tell me, and focusing on manufacturing and technology, typically I coach a lot of men, although I coach women as well. But I had one gentleman tell me once, he's like, I just told you something that I still haven't told my wife. Oh, wow. <laughs> In which case, my next question was, do you think you should? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and then he said, yeah, that probably going be a good idea. But that's the level of trust that yeah. is developed in that one-on-one -on -one relationship where people are able to let down their guard, just be real. And that's where the real work can get done and where we realize that we might have some beliefs that aren't serving us well. We might have some assumptions that just aren't true. 
Um, And we might see things in a way that just isn't working. I got to tell you, I'm glad you're here sharing this with us. It's really good stuff. And Angela, we're so glad you joined us on the Leadership Lowdown. This is the Michigan Business Network. We'll be right back after these messages. The attorneys of Foster Swift, Collins & Smith offer legal counsel to businesses, families, individuals, and municipalities throughout Michigan with offices in Lansing, Farmington Hills, Grand Rapids, Detroit, Marquette, and Holland. Clients know they can count on Foster Swift for all their legal needs, from straightforward wills to sophisticated business transactions and complex litigation. Learn more about Foster Swift and how they can assist you at fosterswift.com. And the Leadership Lowdown is back right here with Angela Morrill. We're so glad to have her executive leadership coaching skills with us right here on the Michigan Business Network. And Angela, as I'm thinking about this whole process, I guess I'm thinking about myself, but I don't always know I need help. But when does it become obvious for an executive leader to say, let's just have somebody that could help us have a conversation maybe how does that all start but when does somebody know it's time to pick up the phone and call Angela great question and I would advise any business owner any business leader to surround themselves with people that help them be their best self that should include a suite of mentors and I believe there should always be a seat for a coach in some cases a therapist I was just at a family business event and for some of those family business engagements that they need those too, but <laughs> right. always with a coach. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and so, and, and sometimes, you know, I just love what you just said there, you know, and a group of mentors or whatever, we used to call it a personal board of directors. And that was a phrase that was coined a while ago. And the notion behind that is that, you know, every single one of us need to have a personal board of directors, people that we rely on that maybe not at our corporate table, but they're in our lives because they have various levels of expertise, leadership levels, etc. And it just seems like having you as part of my personal board of directors as an executive in an organization would be a wise thing to do because now I've got somebody that I can lean on. I can run things by and actually get an outside opinion. And I got to believe part of what you do, Angela, is not sugarcoat it, right? I mean, telling the truth or holding up the mirror and say, do you like what you see is part of what you do, I would assume, right? Indeed it is. Yeah. Unlike, you know, some mentors, I would say, are serving a bit as a coach as well. But in the uh, pure definition a mentor, we go to mentors because of what they know. We go to a coach, not because of what the coach knows but because of what the coach hears and reflects back to us. Oh, wow, that's, uh, that's of, impressive. So, yes, it isn't about in a coaching engagement. And this is where if you want to be told what to do, go find a mentor. If you know you just need to process, if you know you need someone to challenge you, if you know that you're having to make a decision and you're needing help talking through that, making a decision, if you're struggling with some relationships, if you're struggling to motivate, if you've got high turnover in your business, if you believe you've got untapped potential and you just have some development you want to tap into, these are all examples of conversations that can be had with a coach. 
You just spun my brain around for a second there because looking at the difference, and I guess I've never really given it much thought in terms of the difference between mentors and coaching. And I think I didn't hear you say that you should have one or the other. I heard that you say that there's room for both in your organization. It's just make a decision about what you're looking for, right? Absolutely. We grow by acquiring new knowledge. We also grow by, in many times, in many ways, getting out of our own way. And it's the getting out of our way that the coach can help with. It isn't, I think the new knowledge that can be gleaned through a coaching engagement is more about understanding oneself, about what motivates our behavior, about why we're behaving the way that we are, and about what we maybe aren't doing that we should be doing. And it's definitely a complement, not a replacement for a mentor. Yeah. You know, my brain was sitting here thinking about the whole notion of when I call somebody in, is that a moment of failure or is that a moment of great leadership? And in my mind, it's a great leader that says, I want to be engaged and I want to have additional information at my disposal. To me, I think that is a sign of greatness to be able to say, I don't have all the answers. I'd love to get your thoughts on that. A lot of people think that asking for help is a sign of weakness. I get that quite often in my conversations. And in fact, I would go with you. I believe it's a sign of strength. It is a sign of a humble leader who realizes it is only at the top, who realizes that they are better when they have someone to process with, when they are better to have someone challenge them, that they have potential for growth. And in fact, it is my belief that We are on a journey of mastery, of self-mastery, but we have never arrived. That journey is one where we are meant to pick up nuggets along the way. It is also a journey where we are expected to reveal or discover what our blind spots are. And it is because of other people that we surround ourselves with and a humble and curious mind that we can uncover our blind spots and pick up new nuggets If someone has a mindset that I cannot be seen as weak, I cannot be vulnerable, I have to be perfect, I'm supposed to know everything, that is, I think, what Carol Dweck called a fixed mindset. And Mm. unfortunately, what that does is shut people off to uncovering their blind spots and discovering new nuggets. Yeah, boy, that's some pretty good stuff. I remember I was in an executive's position, showed up as the new VP, I got a room full of directors. And I walk in and sit down on my first staff meeting. Everybody's got their pen up and pad out, ready for me to speak pearls of wisdom. And I said, man, this is absolutely going the wrong direction right now. (laughs) If you think I'm the one with all the answers, we've got some work to do because every one of you is valuable to me. I need to have your best. So it's not what I'm going to say. It's what we're going to do together. And so I think that's really part of what you're illuminating today and part of what we're so glad to have you with us here on Leadership Lowdown. I can't believe we only have one segment left, but that's it. It's coming at you right after these messages. We'll be right back here on the Michigan Business Network. DBI. 
Managing your office supplies is key to a seamlessly functioning business. With over 90,000 items available for free next day delivery and no minimum order, DBI can solve all your office supply needs from pencils to coffee at the very best value. Call DBI and ask a sales representative to show you their product offerings or visit dbiyes.com and request a product catalog. DBI does all things office, office supplies, furniture, and environments. And we're back for our final segment with Angela Morrill. She is an executive leadership coach and doing great things for us in terms of helping us understand our pathway to becoming better and more educated along the way. And I think you mentioned the last segment, the journey of self-mastery. I thought that was uh, wonderful words and something that uh, each one of us are always talking about how to get better and how to do that. And so as I think about that, Angela, I want to make sure before we run out of time that we have people understand how to get a hold of you. So if they're looking for you, uh, first of all, I'm sure you travel all over the country. But the good news is you're in Michigan here in uh, the greater Grand Rapids area. So that's kind of your home base. But how do people find you? The easiest way is to go to AngelaMorrill.com. And that last name is M-O-R-R-I-L-L. So AngelaMorrill.com. Check out the website. That has a way to contact me. Also, it'll help people understand what services I provide. And it'll also show not only the coaching, but also the leadership development program that we're offering, which I've got a partner and we call it the Duvalet Leadership Transformation Program. And it is an experience. We had a series of webinars that we did, which highlight that its foundation is in emotional mastery and on mission, which makes it unique. It is a multimodal, which includes group sessions, small group sessions, videos, worksheets, and projects. And so this program is something that we bring to organizations for their leadership teams. And as you pointed out, yes, I work globally, virtually, we can do it virtual or in person as I do the coaching as well. I'd say, you know, maybe half of my clients I'll meet face-to-face, but uh, a good half of them are virtual. That was, you know, one of the good things to come out of COVID is we perfected that art of uh, (laughs) how to deliver content digitally. But, uh, you know, we do have ways to get people engaged. We do have ways to deliver that for remote teams. Oftentimes they'll get, well, I got a division over here or a division over here or I'm traveling. And so with that virtual medium, we're able to accommodate all of the above. And just so I make sure I've got my notes correct, this would be the program you're talking about would be for leadership teams or would it be for my entire division of 200 employees? I mean, how does that work in your mind? Yeah. Well, I would be happy to serve your division, but ultimately it would be small groups and depending on the venue, depending on the topics, you know, probably 12 to 30 people in a group. And so we would do multiple cohorts. The smaller group allows for a richer discussion, building of relationships. So I wouldn't do 200 at a time, but yes, it is intended for organizations or a group of leaders. We will be running a pilot in the fall, which is for individual leaders who would like to check it out don't have to bring their team and just bring themselves. We're going to start broadcasting that here in the next month or so. It is, I think, great for teams in that it not only grows our leadership skills, but also builds the team at the same time. Right. Well, just like every journey, it all begins with a single step. And of course, one of the things, if I'm an executive listening to this discussion today, one of the things I'm wondering about is when do I know it's time to pick up the phone call and what do I have to risk with picking up the phone? Because I think 
just to have a conversation with you. I don't have to go through layers and layers of staff and everything else to try to get to you. I can pick up the phone, talk to you direct, and try to figure out if you're a fit for my organization, correct? Absolutely. Yes. If you go to the website, there's a contact pick on the menu that will enable you to schedule what I call a discovery call. And in that discovery call, we'll talk about what your needs are, what your vision is. I then can offer up, do I have something that will meet that need? And if not, do I have someone in my network who can? It is a complimentary call. It is a no pressure call. I am out for service. And if I can serve in any way, great. If not, I will mention that as well. Well, and based on what you say, you know, sometimes I get the same elements in my world is, am I a fit for what you're looking for? And I think that's really the question that you have is that you've got tremendous resources and amazing talent and expertise. But in the end, pick up the phone, see if Angela is the individual that can help you get on track and make some progress. So we've talked about some amazing things about culture, about helping employees become more specifically focused on their opportunity with the organization and how to grow overall. There's just so much that's there. And so, Angela, as we run out of time here, anything else you want our audience to know about you and your services? Because we're all ears and I'm in awe. Well, thank you for that. I am on a mission, and it is all about that mission. I am surrounded by a team of coaches and consultants who can help in serving in that mission. And if our mission resonates with any of your listeners, I'd love to just have that discovery call and see where it goes. And so thank you for this opportunity, Vic. It's been a pleasure. Well, thank you. And uh, all I can say to our audience is let uh, Angela engineer, I like that little pun there, (laughs) engineer your future because there's so many great things that you can offer. I'm just so glad you spent some time with us, Angela. Thank you so much. You're a blessing. As are you. Thank you much. And thank you for tuning in to this edition of the Leadership Lowdown. This is the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Versero. I can't wait to talk to you next time.